0: In Estonia, in Estonia, in Estonia, in the club. Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I'm your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is uh, on the, the blue team moving backwards through the film. Kevin, how are you?
1: I'm doing I'm doing very well. Uh... I have a good minute. You said you had a good minute. Uh, I'm excited for this. We have some deep discussion.
0: I do. I have a fun minute. I don't know that there's anything. Uh, there's actually, there's one point in here that we're going to have to dig into a little bit in my minute. Cause I don't know. I don't understand exactly what's going on. <laughs> it's a really stupid detail, but we have to talk about it.
1: <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Cause I have, I have that too. I also have new information about the, uh, Temporal pincer at the end of the film that we have s- never discussed before.
0: <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, every time you say you have new information, I feel like we end with more questions than answers. Yes, but...
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: excited. I'm excited for it. All right, should we jump right in? Yes. All right. So I am covering the minute marker twenty six twenty one to twenty seven twenty one. We left off last week. Uh, we're still at the the club at with uh, Sir Michael a.k.a. Michael uh, Michael Caine. Um, and Michael Kane just told us that Cat and Areppo were close, wink, wink. And the protagonist said, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he totally shifts the conversation here, actually. So Sir Michael comes back and says, look, no offense, but in this world, when someone is claiming to be a billionaire... And now he starts pointing really aggressively at the protagonist. Uh Uh, Brooks Brothers won't cut it, right? Uh So now basically telling the protagonist here, like, like, hey, you're going to be going undercover. You're going to be trying to mingle with these billionaires. Uh, Your suit looks like crap. You need to Mm -hmm. upgrade your wardrobe. Which, just to point out, like, Brooks Brothers for the, the rest of us Oh, I
1: cannot walk into a Brooks
0: Brothers. (laughs) Would be a very nice suit, right? I don't have a suit uh, at the quality of Brooks Brothers, right? Uh, I have a Kirkland signature
1: (laughs) that I break out for weddings, funerals, and uh, special occasions at work.
0: (laughs) I bought... I thought I like 12 years ago, I bought a suit from like men's warehouse and spent like $300 on it and thought, this is the suit I'm going to have for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, this is uh, the suit you've been buried in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, it's holding true because I still have that suit and I'll still wear it once in a while.
1: Really? Okay. Because I, I rarely run into an instance where I have to wear a suit. Even at work, yeah. I'm noticing I'm the only person in a tie nowadays. After, after the pandemic, people like executives came back in t-shirts
0: no a tie oh, really? no one wears a tie i wear i actually when i when i go to uh to an office which i don't very often at all but i'll put a blazer on like a blazer oh, yeah. a blazer That's what i used to
1: do too yeah
0: yeah no tie though
1: oh really oh you go blazer no tie
0: blazer button down and then jeans you know i go with the oh, blazer shit. and jeans That's a- approach <laughs> right but you know, I work in tech, so I could I could wear a blazer with a T-shirt and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs>
1: Brooks Brothers, okay. Brooks
0: Brothers, yeah, but Brooks Brothers not not nice enough. Um, so the protagonist responds, "I'm assuming I'm on a budget." <laughs> good. This banter is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir Michael says, Save the world, then we'll balance the books. And he slides over a credit card <laughs> and says, Can I recommend a tailor? <laughs> uh, protagonist says, I'll manage. You British don't have a monopoly on snobbery, you know. So <laughs> oh, okay. Michael's like, Well, not a monopoly, more of a controlling interest. Again, really, <laughs> very really, good. very good yeah. banter. Yeah, very good a, banter. Gives him
1: for his minute and a half of screen time, or maybe two minutes of screen time. Uh, you get a real character here.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. It's really nice. Uh, when he says, well, during that part of the conversation, the protagonist stands up. Um, the protagonist is getting ready to go. Uh, he gives the he gives Sir Michael a really good, really solid smirk at that uh, controlling interest comment. <laughs> uh, it was a good, good comeback. Um, the servers. The server has finally come back to the table with uh, the protagonist's meal. And he's like, Can you box that up for me? And uh, server, <laughs> the, the server's like, Certainly not. <laughs> Which I love that also. I don't yeah. see why not, right? Like, is it whatever? Uh,
1: any Christopher Nolan movie, there's usually like one joke that lands really well and like two or three that just kind of skate by.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think this one, this, can you box that up for me? Certainly not. And then it's tied with maybe one other joke in the movie. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and then Sir Michael, Sir Michael mouths something to the protagonist. actually, I wasn't sure I had to oh. watch this like three or four times. Uh, Cause I thought maybe he was like saying, I'm sorry to like the server for like mm-hmm. having such an embarrassing <laughs> guest. Uh, but he's, he, he mouths by to to the protagonist and oh. uh, protagonist says goodbye sir michael and that's it that's the end of that scene and then uh, that brings us to 2655 so yeah that
1: is in this the script let me just read the stage it's a stage direction not a line the protagonist smiles at crosby who nods goodbye wow all so, right yeah nods goodbye and then the protagonist says goodbye Sir Michael, very formal,
0: very music. formal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. Good stage direction, legendary <laughs> acting by Michael Caine, as always. Uh, <laughs> if there's one critique of this film, <laughs> which there's more than one, uh, but one would be more Michael Caine.
1: Yeah, he doesn't come back. No, uh, towards the end. Yeah.
0: All right, so 2655, we're cutting to a new scene. Oh. Um, there's Cat in front of uh, Cannon Place. We can see a sign on uh, the brick wall there, Cannon Place. We th- it's a school because you can see the gate. You can see children behind the gate. Uh, our protagonist is kind of far back inside a car watching watching this. Cat uh, is standing there in heels. She must be seven feet tall in heels. Uh, yeah, she is very tall super, super tall. Um, so she comes up behind a child. It's Max, right? Gives him a kiss. Now here's the weird part. So Max is there with like some help, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, some other lady, uh, she like gives him a kiss goodbye. And then Max and the help drive away in an SUV, but, like, like, what is happening here? This is what this is what I want to dig into. Like, what is actually happening here? because, like, they're at school. now, her son is leaving school. She was there to say goodbye at school, and what she just stand like she's left there. She's left standing at the school while her son and the help drive away. Like, what is she doing there? and why doesn't she go with them? What the actual F is happening uh, here? I think this is the
1: this is part of Sator's mind control. Like he has his minions picking up her son from school and taking him somewhere else. So that and this is her only chance to see him today. Between in transit when he's leaving school and transitioning to wherever Sator keeps him um, away from her, because isn't that his manipulation of her?
0: i guess i don't know is, is that is it does it say that in the script it's it's yeah it's actually the stage direction is kind of interesting in the script i
1: know i read a lot of stage direction but it's it's i'm going to read it because it's more interesting uh, mother stands at the railings waiting for their all okay, right mothers stand at the railings waiting for their kids one of them a smart young woman stands a little apart from the group school kids pile out of school The protagonist watches from across the road as the young woman spots her son. She offers him her hand, but he reaches up to take his nanny's. She moves her hand to pick something off of his jumper before he's put into the back of a black Range Rover with tinted windows. The protagonist watches the young woman wave at the departing car carrying her child utterly alone.
0: All right. Yeah, maybe that's it then. Maybe this I, is part of the the Seder game.
1: It it's setting up the the last scene in the film, where she and her son walk off
0: together, walk
1: yeah. off together. That um, that's what they accomplished.
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay. Thank you for putting that together. I guess. Well, I, uh... but
1: I never really dug into that scene and realized that's what it was trying to tell us. <laughs>
0: Right, it's not obvious. I've seen this again. We we've each seen this movie collectively probably like fifty times. Uh, have never really picked up on that detail. Yeah. So, good point. I uh, think it
1: might be in the dialogue later on, but also the dialogue moves so fast you don't have time to pay attention to it. No, so nothing, nothing is really nailed to the wall.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it might be. You're right. It might be in the dialogue in a, in a very soon upcoming minute, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, that's actually it. So then we act at 2721, the very last second of my minute, we cut to a new scene. We're looking at a door. Uh, we can see the pro- protagonist actually get out of the car. Very, like, you know, you should rewatch this because you can barely see it. Uh, but you're the, it's a really weird shot. It's a really weird shot is what I'll say. We're staring at a door and then through like one of the little pieces of window in the door, you can see the protagonist get out of a car.
1: Oh, interesting. It says Shipley's London day. A Bentley pulls up. Doorman opens the rear door. Protagonist emerges immaculately tailored holding a beautiful briefcase.
0: Okay. So we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oh no, yet. we're not
1: there yet. That was We're
0: best. not there yet cuz uh, that's the next scene. That's actually the next like, oh. clip, but that's after my the,
1: that's Oh, so this yeah. is him still at Canon Place.
0: No, no. Oh. No. It's you you have the beginning of that's the right. The the Bentley part. Here's my oh, okay. guess. Here's my here's my here's <laughs> my uh my my funny guess here. Uh they ran out of budget. They couldn't get the Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> So they had to make this as like blurry as possible, and that's why we the shot is of a door, and then through a little black window, you can you should watch. It's a weird, it's a really weird shot. I watched it like four times too because I'm like, wait, what is this? At first, I thought, and maybe it maybe it is like I thought it was like a rotating door, like a turnstile type door, which I thought, oh, that's clever. Uh, But they don't actually show the door turning or opened. So anyway. Uh, that's the end of my minute. That's twenty seven twenty one, and we'll uh, pick it up at Shipley's next week. Okay,
1: yeah, that's the next uh, the next scene. I, I could imagine a, a Christopher Nolan throwing a temper tantrum not being able to get a Bentley.
0: Maybe it is. A, <laughs> maybe you know. Maybe it, it, it is a Bentley. I have to go back and look, right? Which is even like funnier because it's a Bentley and you can't even see that it's a Bentley. <laughs> Ultimate power move. Yeah.
1: All right. Are we, are we jumping in? I got things to discuss in my
0: blue team, blue team is up,
1: (laughs) blue team's up. And we're in the red team briefing (laughs) just not to get confused. I am on the blue team, but, uh, we are starting off with the, uh, just towards the very beginning of the red team briefing in which, um, uh, the uh, Ives just pointed out the blue team in their containers. Uh, there's a little back and forth and people talking, um, and then he continues speaking, uh, saying that one hour from now they had this briefing. There's um, my other note here? I have to. I'm looking at the script and then realizing the script is different than the the movie.
0: One hour from now they get this briefing.
1: One hour from now, they had this briefing.
0: They had this briefing.
1: Because they're going backwards. (laughs) Because they're Red
0: Team right? right? They're
1: they're, they're Blue Team. Yeah, they're Red Team. They're Blue Team. So an hour from now, it's so freaking weird to say. An hour from now, they already had this briefing. Right.
0: Okay. So it
1: hasn't happened yet for the Red Team, but it has for the Blue Team. Okay, some other interesting um, things that come up Uh, in this. He then goes on to say... uh, he, he points out. Um, oh, no, it cuts to Neil, who's watching Commander Wheeler in his briefing. And you can't hear what Wheeler's saying, but she's speaking. <laughs> but you can't hear what she's saying. Then it cuts back to Ives saying, And then we're dropped on the ridge above the hypocenter as close in time to the detonation as possible. Their objectives were clearance and clarification. This briefing has the benefit of their experience. Okay. That's what's said in the movie. Here is what's said after that in the script. And yes, some of you specialists are on both teams.
0: Oh, that's not not in the movie. (laughs) No. (laughs) So Neil is a specialist.
1: Uh... Or I see why this, was, this just was. went rogue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that adds nothing to the movie. I'm glad that line was scrapped.
1: <laughs> yeah, because wouldn't like two guys be sitting there with like a bunch of bruises on their faces and nursing <laughs> reverse gunshot wounds going, yeah, we know, we know, we know, we have to go back in. <laughs> you couldn't teach somebody else to use that RPG,
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe they don't even know who the specialists are yet because they haven't gone through it yet. Ah, who knows? Mm-hmm. That's a dumb piece of dialogue. <laughs> it, it, it just adds to
1: the Ouroboros of it all, like the snake eating <laughs> its own tail, where it's like, well, why I, why aren't all of us on the same team?
0: Right. What yeah. Can the blue
1: team be the red team as well in, in that instance? I know, because then you'd be running into each other, right?
0: I mean... Any so now any theoretical specialist does have the potential of running into the other right Neil Neil absolutely could have run into his other self in the mission. He He almost almost does. He he almost gets run 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 over by himself. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I think you remember that. uh, Or (laughs) I think when he's driving the Humvee, he knows. He's like, oh yeah, that was me. Classic. Oh yeah, that was me. Oh yeah. Oops. (laughs)
1: get out of the way, get out. Oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we jump over to uh, Vietnam. Uh, And we see um, a boat departing Seder's yacht boarding. What we know is Kat and her son. And then we cut back to Kat. Mahir hands her um, um, some binoculars And they watch uh, as it speeds up. It's a completely wordless scene. Um, uh, And then we go back to the briefing room. I'm going to read another thing that's not in the uh, actual script, that's in the script, but not in the movie. I've says the entire area is radioactive. So both teams wear full protection also to the skies teams to distinguish teams will wear these. And that's when they pass out the red bandanas. And then you, in the script, you cut back to the blue bandanas, but in the movie, they're already wearing the red and blue. Bandanas. That doesn't happen. Okay. We then cut to. Um, I'm jumping ahead in the script because this is all chopped up in the edit. But I've says both teams have countdown watches. Ours counts down from landing at ten to zero. The explosion. Got we it. Then- Okay, we then cut over to—I I had discussed this a lot in my other uh, minutes here, but here's the conclusion of it. We cut over to Wheeler, who says, 10 at explosion to zero at our extraction. If you're not at the LZ by zero, you're not leaving.
0: Okay, that answers that question. They both count down. Yes,
1: from— From their own perspective.
0: From a different perspective. So, five minutes, the five minute mark, though, is the same point in time for both teams. Correct. Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Except they're both going to different uh, destinations. Right. Yeah. So, Wheeler's 10 at explosion. Wait, let me think about this. Yeah, 10 at landing to zero at explosion. And Wheeler says 10 at explosion to zero at our extraction. Um, if you're not at the LZ by zero, you're not leaving. Couldn't they just theoretically get a, wait, I'm thinking about this wrong. No, because they're going the wrong direction. They can't go back and get a ride from the red team.
0: Well, that's the other, like there's, there's two ingress and two egress. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So at, at the, at the, yeah, someone is coming in when someone else is leaving and then vice versa at the end.
1: Yeah, there'd be no way for them because that would be an infill, <laughs> not an exfil, right? Yeah, yeah it's...
0: This is, this is this is the perfect example of the snake eating its tail. <laughs>
1: yeah, what am I trying to say here? Because it's like... Because like, there's two sets of choppers. One of them is picking up and one of them is dropping off. But in like a real military, it would be the same choppers because if you're picking up and dropping off at the same time... Wouldn't you just... Okay, you guys get off, you guys get on. But they're... Because they're inverse, it doesn't work?
0: There has to be two locations. The same location would be too confusing.
1: It is the same location because they cover for each other. The red team covers the exfil, the blue team, coming in. As they're coming in, they cover the exfil, the blue team.
0: Are the helicopters inverted?
1: No, but the, the blue team helicopters are going the proper direction in time, but they're carrying... Um, the shipping containers. Right. That's right. And that's how it works. That's right. So the shipping containers inverted. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I don't know why this, now that I've read this, it doesn't confuse me as much anymore, but it confused me a lot, maybe because I was going backwards. Uh, but <laughs> I, th- I think we've gotten to the, to the end of that one. And I'm also glad that there are not, inverted specialists and non-inverted specialists
0: yeah we don't need that (laughs) (laughs) it's confusing enough as it is
1: okay uh we didn't jump back to ives um uh discussing their mission that they're uh, uh, as i just said they're covering for the blue team's exfil proceeding through um abandoned buildings and they're coming to the center and they show a picture of that big circular place where the turnstile is that has that really great moment in the action set piece where the blue team's going one direction inverted and the red team's going the opposite, like two hands of a clock spitting in opposite directions. That is uh, cool that's scene. really cool. So they do kind of set up what that is, that inside that circle is the turnstile. Uh, and then we cut off just before... Um, they have their final moments of the briefing where he goes on to say, uh, you know, there'll be inverted ordinance. What does he say? I always want to get the word right. <laughs> yeah. Bitemporal response. They'll have forward antagonists, inverted antagonists. Yeah. Inversion and conventional forward antagonists, inverted antagonists. They have it all. <laughs>
0: Conventional—that's the word. Conventional, not inverted, as I been say. <laughs> norm, normies, <laughs> which you're not a fan of either. No, I'm not. A you're fan a of difficult that. person to please. <laughs> this sounds offensive to inverted people. <laughs> you mean to non-inverted people?
1: It's, well, no, because we're saying non-inverted people are oh. normal, conventional people. Yeah, you know what? If you're inverted, you're not normal. You're con- no, you're unconventional.
0: I don't. I don't think we need to be so PC about this. I'm. I'm proud to be non-conventional. <laughs> but you're a normie, man.
1: I am not so. Sh- I'm quite offended by that as well.
0: <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm talking about. Everyone's offended by everything these days.
1: Steve, I know the media is telling you one thing, but no, that you're not. You're not being discriminated against.
0: <laughs> this this is exactly what happened last week and we had to cut it out. <laughs> so like we're I'm had, glad we cut it out. <laughs> we're we're going down a slippery slope yet again. Uh, before we say something that's gonna like get yeah, let's fired get of this. from our jobs. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening to the Tenant Men podcast. Uh, If you enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow Rate Review on whatever platform or service you found us on. Rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning.
1: I'll see you at the beginning, friends.